Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friend, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, everybody. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center. And you can find us on Facebook. We have a group. It's super fun. And a lot of good people are joining and asking a lot of pet questions. And we're going to answer a bunch of those today. One of them actually I found shocking. This owner, uh, Monica, she has a French bulldog. She is on our Facebook group, which is Holistic Pet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. And her dog has this breakout on its nose. It's super red and crusty. And then we looked through the product she was using. And one in particular was, I'm telling you, so scary. I was like, I can't even believe that this is produced and used. And it's actually designed for human babies. So you're going to want to find out all about that because that one was super weird. Uh, that many today. Uh, we also have a Morky. Lala's Morky is grinding her little teeth. She's 14 years old and having a hard time. Poor little thing. And then we've got Alan's little puppy, which is on a raw diet, but he's having some pretty serious issues um, coming out the other end. So we've got to talk about that. And there's some, you have to be, you know, pretty careful with the raw diet. It's not just like so easy as just sticking stuff in a bowl because it's raw or lightly cooked and having it work out in the end. There are some tricks to it and some pretty important things you do need to know. So we'll be talking about that in just a minute. A follow-up to last week's question, which was the dog that was um, tooting and scaring himself (laughs) awake. I mean, he scared himself all the time with his terrible gas problem. And the owner has just let us know that she started the probiotic suggested and things are going better so good on you Nikki I'm so glad and relieved to hear it because I actually had thought about that today I'm like I'm going to follow up with her and see how things are going so. it's, not anymore. <laughs> it's so funny that poor little guy he's a cute little guy too all right so um today we're also going to talk about a couple of things including sustainability and pet food being the new buzzword and kind of like the human humanistic type traits people are expecting from pet food companies now A lot of millennials own pets. They're the biggest pet owning group in the United States. So we're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, their wants and desires and needs for better health for their animals are affecting the pet market in so many good ways. This is such good news for everyone. So this will help pets not only now, but in many, many years to come. So that one's a good one. Also, CBD pet products may face more FDA warnings and lawsuits as well. In fact, some lawsuits, class action suits have been filed against some of the CBD companies. And last year, uh, a draft, uh, well, they've sent a draft to the White House now for some more attention to some of the claims that are being made by CBD producers. So some of the things we hear are CBD containing products and their marketing claims that are the issue here addressed by the FDA include the following. So works incredibly well for joint pain and aggression in pets. CBD oil works great for pets with anxiety, hyperactivity, or PTSD. Adding our CBD product can help fight infection and inflammation. 
Um, CBD hemp oil is recommended in equine anxiety and arthritis. Um, CBD may calm dogs made frantic by fireworks. CBD stop my dog's anxiety and CBD eases animal epilepsy. This is from uh, an article from petfoodindustry.com. So it's interesting and we have a few CBD containing products here that we do sell. So we do sell this raw CBD honey. We're all about that. That one we really, really like here and we sell quite a bit of that. Uh, this is a new chew toy from Mount Ara. It's a full spectrum hemp and it also is like a bone and I actually got one out the other day and gave it to Chorky. She slept all afternoon, but um, you just put it like, it goes like halfway in and then you stick this peanut butter with CBD and hemp in it. And then the dog just kind of plays with it, licks it up and that's where it's supposed to be. Now this one on the box does say helps keep your dog calm and relaxed. And then on one of the packages, did we lose it? Where are those CBD trees? One of the packages does also make a few claims as well. Oh, here it is. Sorry. Um, the anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety, pain management, and packed with antioxidants, original treats. And there are 100% organic CBD, USDA organic, and gluten-free treats for dogs. So those kinds of statements, I mean... Can't really say that about a lot of supplements in the country, right. in the United States. Yeah, without FDA approval, you cannot make any medical claims that says that it's going to treat anything. Um, and this has been known for years is that uh, most of the supplements uh, or all the supplements uh, should say that uh, results have not been tested by the FDA. So um, you cannot lay claim that this is medical. Uh, in any way, you're going to medically treat the condition. You can say that it helps support a medical condition or helps support treatment, uh, but you can't lay claim that it's going to do anything for treatment. Otherwise, the FDA does get involved with that. And, um, and that seems to be what uh, CBD is doing right now uh, in some of the companies that lay claim to. Um, and it, they, it, it's, it's not legal to do so. It's like giving medical advice without being a veterinarian or without being a human physician. And so uh, without being tested, we don't know for sure. That's why supplements are really in the Wild West right now because there's no exact amount that says it's going to get the results that people are claiming that they're getting with it. So it's not one size fits all. Uh, each individual pet um, responds differently to different supplements. So uh, a couple of treats of CBD may give one pet uh, support with uh, anti-anxiety or anti-inflammatory, where it may take three or four for another pet. And um, so they're strictly supplements, they're strictly supportive uh, at this point until it's been tested. You know, other people have tried to make claims for all sorts of other kind of products. And those laws are really out there to protect you as a consumer. So this is nothing new. I mean, we all have our thoughts about CBD. A lot of people do, you know, we've seen good things out of CBD. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So those are, you know, a couple of the things there is a company though. It's a like veterinary type company. They're selling CBD. It's called Elvet. And they uh, put together a study that they did with Cornell university. And they said the result of that, sorry, I'm trying to read 
the almost every dog showed improvement. We wanted evidence on dosing and efficacy so we could stand behind our product with the utmost confidence and so veterinarians could trust our products. And today, thousands of dogs take our product and over 80% show significant improvement. That tested and endorsed and committed to animal hospitals. So they did do this study. Um, and, you know, they're claiming that CBD works. So I guess we'll have to kind of you know, see, I mean, it's not going to work for everybody. It might work for a lot of animals. And certainly we've had our experience with it. So at this point, it's just kind of a still a trial and error type situation. And one of the things the study did say is the absorption on cannabinoids is currently showing that using an oil base or a food matrix is preferred. So most surprisingly, we found that using a partial lecithin-based caused a nearly twofold or greater absorption of CBDA. CBDA is a precursor to CBD and has anti-inflammatory, anti-nausea, and neuroprotective benefits that are likely better than CBD. This finding allows for better cannabinoid delivery and a far better chance of delivering therapeutic levels of cannabinoids in dogs. Lecithin. So there are a couple of types of lecithin. We use it to make um, a healthy powder. It's a skin powder. It's, it makes the coat just absolutely gorgeous. And... Um, so the lecithin, you can get sunflower lecithin and some other kinds of lecithin. And there is a soy-based lecithin as well. And, and some, we try to use the sunflower-based because soy can have some uh, allergenic effects in mm -hmm. pets, as well as us as people, so we can be sensitive to it. Soy is kind of hard on your thyroid. There's a lot of things about soy that maybe you might want to have a little caution with. So I wouldn't be putting edamame in my dog food anytime soon. So um, the other thing about this CBD oil is that there is a consumer class action lawsuit. Actually, there are many of them about the CBD products. So soon after the FDA released those warning letters in 2019, consumers filed more than 15 class action lawsuits and um the jury's still out on those. Those are still ongoing. But the defendants argue that FDA has primary oversight over claims involving the illegal sale or marketing of CBD products, and the FDA, not a court, should determine the legal status of the CBD products. But, um, you know, it's kind of a continuing issue over time. I mean, and this is, goes for all supplements. I think to get a supplement off the ground, I think it's extremely expensive. Very expensive, very difficult to do. Um, but in, in FDA research backed products can be extremely expensive to get FDA approval. Mm -hmm. I mean, the average cost for that, at least it was a few years ago, is somewhere between six and seven million dollars to get one product onto the market. Oh, really? As an FDA oh approved gosh. product. So wow. that's why the newer products are so expensive in the beginning before generics come out is that they have to recover the cost of just having it approved. Mm -hmm. um, so it's cost prohibitive to get supplements FDA approved, but we can't step on the FDA's toes and say that even though these products have been proven to work, and even though these products you know have a great benefit, we can't say that they treat anything. They support the body's response in getting better. Uh, it's not a medical replacement, so mm -hmm. we just have to remember our conversations, how we talk about it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, um, you know, from my point of view, I have given my golden retriever, um, you know, I mean, we talked about this dog. He's so cute. He's so sweet. He is a total brat. Um, and he's gotten like worse. So we're actually going to start dog training.
training classes here in our clinic and our new indoor dog park. <laughs> so he's going to be in those classes for sure. Actually, all of our dogs probably need to go because they're getting pretty spoiled. But um, I have given him CBD product before just in a bone and he really settled down. It just took away that extra bit of annoying that he is. <laughs> he took it those endocannabinoids and and it, it, it's like that earthing effect. It's like earthing internally because it just settles everything down and gets everything running on a smooth scale. It doesn't make them high or it doesn't make them, you know, sedated, but it just levels them out so they, they focus. So you have this in your system. You have it you in your system. Yeah, the ability to tap into this. Yeah, it's right there. And uh, it's just supporting that when it's just a plant material that helps to stimulate that more often. Uh, and that's... A, it, and that's what we want naturally. We want the body to, to take over first and then support with medicine if we need it. Well, how does this differ from like going on a run and getting all those endorphins going and getting everything, you know, moving in your body like that? I mean, is this kind of like the same thing? Yeah, it is. Exactly. Uh, it's just it's that. It's just a different system? It, well, it, the endocannabinoid system is it's, it's similar to the endorphin system because you're releasing natural morphine into the body and oh. the cannabinoid uh, areas of the body pick up on that too for relaxation. Okay. So that's why after exercise, you feel more relaxed because those hormones are kicked in. Um, that's why you feel more relaxed after CBD because it's, it's um, stimulated those endocannabinoid systems and uh, they're located throughout the body. So every inch of your body gets um, a benefit from that. Oh, really? So you can feel So you could do a double whammy if you did the long walk every day or the big play time, and you also did the CBD. <laughs> yeah, you could get a lot, you know, and, and the benefit of it is that it's it's like going for a walk. So if you can't run them for an hour uh, or if you just have an hour to be able to exercise them, you know, using the CBD supplements can also benefit them as well, and it's all natural. So it's um, – and you're not going to – even if they don't need it, they'll benefit from it. Okay. So even if healthy pets can benefit as well as pets who have anxiety. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. So, I mean, we see a lot of anxiety cases. I mean, come on. How many dogs come in here with anxiety all the time? Well, I'd say, all the time. you know. So what do you think? Definitely 80%. Oh, yeah. What do you think is a holistic vet is the biggest anxiety causing problem in dogs right now? I think lack of exercise. I don't think they're exercised enough. Uh, for the breed that they are, I think. So exercise is probably number one. A uh, diet containing too many carbs, probably number two, because those carbohydrates uh, definitely get them revved up. Um, and then three, um, you know, the middle-aged dogs probably uh, have problems associated with hormones. So those would be the top three anxiety-provoking problems. There's a lot of, like, Cushing's in dogs, and I know that causes, like, a sundowner's effect at night. Um, so a lot of dogs you might experience, um, uh, we had a dog who was uh, licking the floor. Every night she'd start licking the floor, couldn't settle down, wouldn't get in her dog bed. Um, and that was just kind of those symptoms, but they were happening just at the uh, at dusk. That was kind of how that whole thing went with that dog. We see a lot of Cushing's in dogs right now, too. Definitely. Cushing's an atypical Cushing. Why is that? I don't feel like you see that much in people. So why would you see so much in dogs? Well, I think they're picking up on a lot of the the anxiety. They mirror our anxiety. So 
we live in a stressful world anymore, obviously with COVID and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, pets don't understand what's going on. So they're going to be triggering those uh, cortisone releasing uh, organs in the system, which is the adrenal glands, the thyroid, uh, pituitary. So that sensory information, they're just being oversensitized. Um, also the spay and neuter process um, with the stress that's that they're exposed to, the hormones that they would have used like testosterone or estrogen mm-hmm. are what they call secondary uh, hormones. The adrenal gland still produces something, but it acts more like cortisone than the actual steroid. Oh, really? So oh. we think about testosterone and estrogen being anabolic steroids. They're repartitioning agents so the body doesn't store as much energy. It uses it up between meals. When you take that away, the body stores more energy because it thinks it's more under stress. Thereby, everybody gets chubby. Everybody gets chubby after yeah. spay and neuter, yeah. So the cortisol effects. Basically, these, these hormones that are produced really aren't androgens or they're really not testosterone or estrogen then that's sort of like a cortisol effect. Right, because I've had uh, probably, I would say 75% of the dogs that have been tested that had increased thirst, urination, and appetite were not Cushing's positive, but were atypical Cushing's positive. Okay. And the University of Tennessee does have a study that you can test these hormones. They're called secondary hormones. And, uh, and you can find out for sure. The test is relatively expensive, so most of the time we're not sending out tests or doing it on a regular basis. Uh, but you can find out for sure if your pet has those excess hormones. Oh, okay. All right. Very interesting. Um, we do work a lot with the hormonal type situations, trying to get things in balance with dogs. Um, and, you know, one of the other things that's interesting is when you're putting a, you know, when you put a human under anesthesia, as a child, um, there are increases of things like ADHD, um, the possibility of getting stuff like that begins to increase. So is there something about the anesthesia at that such a young age, like some pets are getting neutered or spayed at eight weeks old, six months old, that kind of thing. I mean, I know it's, it's necessary in a lot of situations, but is there anything about that anesthesia that would make an animal change later too? I think, you know, the, the jury's out there. It's a pretty sensitive subject. I think the anesthesia itself is, is you know, it's very, very safe. Um, some would say that under anesthesia, there could be some suggestion that the body's going under to pick up different data while they're under the concept of anesthesia. Um, it's they're under delta waves, which are more suggestive of things that might occur. So if they, if if they're, we try to make them very relaxed when they go down. Say they're stressed when they went under anesthesia, that could affect the hormones in some way for some period of time. But the anesthesia wears off, so the effects shouldn't linger. Mm-hmm. But they may notice a behavior change in maybe the first thirty days after anesthesia. Uh, probably, you know, far and away, the, the biggest thing is that during the growth and development process, when we're taking away those anabolic steroids, um, before we were trying to control the pet population, we realized there were side effects, but at the same time, the benefit of reducing the population was outweighed the, the potential side effects. Yeah, it was really bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. But now that, that we're not seeing as many population yeah. of dogs anymore and cats, that 
we're looking at the benefits of delayed spay and neuter. So at least till the growth plates close. I mean, I mean it, it is a controversial topic that some shelters in America are looking at maybe even closing because there just aren't enough puppies. Some places are bringing dogs in from other countries, which is a whole, you know, health care kind of thing on its own. Um, so not every dog is homeless or, you know, that sometimes there just aren't that many dogs to adopt out there anymore. Right. It's definitely done the job. Depends on what part of the country you live in. We've, we've definitely taken care of a, a pretty major problem really since good. the 1970s, so we can congratulate ourselves on that. Um, but now we can take a little different look at the benefits. Uh, the Parsimus Foundation's done a great job in talking about um, delayed spay and neuter and also uh, ovary sparing techniques as mm -hmm. well as uh, doing vasectomies to let the dogs keep their hormones without the, the, the probability of having puppies. So it, it's still supports of the uh, population control at the same time we're benefiting from the world. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Um, so today's question, the first one today from our holistic vet advice group with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, you can find that on Facebook and then uh, we're live there and you can uh, also join us there at any point in time um, is from Monica. She has a French bulldog with a crusty nose. She said, I keep my Frenchie well groomed throughout the week and I've never seen his nose get this red and irritated. I haven't changed anything about our routine, which has stayed the same for three years. Weekly, wipe face with sensitive skin, unscented baby wipes. Ensure it stays dry after. Approximately three times per week, or unscented, organic, no salve to keep the crusting down. And he's fed raw, clean daily, um, krill oil, sardines, joint powder, probiotics. What is she going to do to fix his nose? This is absolutely, I was like so surprised when I actually saw this. So I had her send a picture to me of her dog's wipes because, you know, sometimes have you ever gotten a wipe and you thought, ow, that kind of hurts. Yeah. And you were just like, what is that? So we did a little research actually on her wipes and there are several items in here uh, that show high allergies and immunotoxicity. Um, in fact, one of the ingredients in this wipe Cetylpyrinidium chloride is high in allergies and immunotoxicity, according to the Environmental Working Group, suspected environmental toxin, um, restricted chemical use in Japanese cosmetics, and a peer-reviewed publication reports quaternary ammonium compounds cause reproductive toxicity in animals. That is one ingredient of several that are very troubling in your pet's baby wipes. Um, we've also looked up another one, uh, cocomidal propyl, and it is also listed as the Environmental Working Group uh, says uh, high allergies, immunotoxicity. Another ingredient in those same baby wipes, which are supposed to be so great. And you look at them and the um, packaging is so cute. It's like it looks like so natural and holistic and um, easy to use and like it's basically water. But that's the perception of their branding. So this um, also says multiple side effects from disodium EDTA causing nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, low blood pressure, fever, and skin issues in certain concentrations. That's scary. Um, the fourth ingredient we've looked up, um, allergic dermatitis reported in multiple human case studies. This substance is an immunosuppressant 
according to animal and in vitro testing, that is chlorothenicin. So all of those ingredients in those baby wipes are scary. I can't believe you can even use them on a human baby. I mean, never use them on the I'm not sure if that is totally what's wrong with your dog. But I thought I should make you aware that after looking into those, you can have a real problem here just based on that brand of baby wipes. And we've actually looked at the baby wipes from Amazon. We've got some other baby wipes from Huggies on there. Those didn't have those specific chemicals or really much of any other chemical. They're made with vitamin E. They have some calendula in them, that kind of thing. Those are good, but this is a disaster for your dog. I'm pretty sure. Definitely. What do you think? I think so too, because anything that you apply to the skin, we have to remember that uh, definitely can be an irritant and it could be contributing to the factor over treating uh, the area, especially as well. Just as bad as under treating. Just as bad as under treating because um, the, the, the tip of the nose is very sensitive. So hormone related and antibody related diseases are a trigger for that inflammation right there. So, you could actually be triggering it with the wipes because okay. it says it's immunosuppressive or they could have an immunosuppressive problem and we're contrib- you know, contributing oh, to the problem. It worse. Making it worse. Okay. So the nose tip, what, what happens on the nose tip? What is the deal with that? Well, it's the interface between the, you know, the harder part of the nose, okay. the, the more durable part and just right at the bridge when it starts to become hair. Mm-hmm. It's always like real soft right there. Um, little bitty baby hairs are so yeah. cute. It's just a, my favorite part of my dog. I know. And it, tons of sensitive uh, sensory network there because obviously when they're snipping, they're, the olfactory center, it's being stimulated there. Okay. So it's a highly interfaced with the immune system and the immune system is highly interfaced with the endocrine system. Mm-hmm. So thyroid disease, adrenal issues like that. Really? Disease, you can put the inflammation there. If it gets dried out, also can be a problem. So, well, a couple of tests that you'd want to be sure that, that we're on was a thyroid test to see, make sure they're not hypothyroid. Maybe consider an ANA test or auto uh, antibody test uh, to find out do you have an autoimmune disease? Uh, even a skin biopsy there to find out if it's a chronic problem, why is it? And it'll pick it up as well. Mm-hmm. Just um, really letting it rest for probably two weeks. I don't apply anything. Um, just let the skin rest and, and let the body do its job and then see what happens. And then maybe apply some very natural clean, like golden uh, yellow paste is a very, very good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what about? Coconut oil is really good as MCT. well. It has the MCT mm-hmm. in it. Um, you want to use products that are very similar to the skin type that's in that area. Okay. So you want to use more natural oils and things like that as well. All right. We're going to come back uh, with our holistic vet advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson uh, group on Facebook. You can get in touch with us there. And then uh, we have a couple more questions we're going to answer about Alan's dog and Lala's dog. We'll be back in a little bit.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The special needs community is made up of many individuals, from children with Down syndrome to autism and ADHD issues, to those who may have suffered a brain injury. On More Than Special, host Jermaine Suford and her guests explore topics that are of interest to special needs children and adults. Our program is a forum for parents, caregivers, and experts to come together to discuss relevant topics. Listen every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry has known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. With Dr. Jim Carlson. Our group page on Facebook is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Also, we are at uh, Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center, now located at the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus here in McHenry, Illinois, which is in Chicagoland. So if you're available in uh, the area, we'd love to see you and how do you take advantage of our dog park. We're hoping it opens this weekend. And we've been saying that for a while now, but it looks like it's getting pretty close. We have to take a wall down to get a tank in there for the fish. <laughs> so we put the wall up thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, wait a minute. It didn't work out. All right. So um, we were talking about the wipes a minute ago. Um, and then also Nikki says she's going to have to look at her baby wipes because um, her dog's been licking its feet. That can be for many reasons, but the wipes could be one of them. We do have our own version of the Riverside Animal Clinic dental wipes. And when I saw that, I like immediately ran out front into our pet store and look through every wipe that we sell here. So this one is actually pretty good. Um, 
nothing really toxic in this dental wipe, glycerin, propylene glycol, things you would expect uh, to find. Um, and it also comes with peppermint and spearmint. So they smell really good and make your dog's mouth better. We also sell an easy derm facial and tear stain wipe. Um, Monica, this is something that might actually be really good for your dog. Um, this one even is made with um, certain natural amino acids like taurine, purified water is the first ingredient in it, and um, something like this. It's really veterinary grade, made for veterinary patients, is probably going to be a better bet for you. Um, once you give us the two-week rest and then an update uh, to see how your pet's doing. So we really like to hear and follow up with you about that. All right. Our next um, question is from Lala. She has a Morky that is grinding her little teeth. Um, she says, please help. My 14-year-old Morky recently started grinding his teeth when he's eating, especially something a bit crunchy like a small piece of carrot or cauliflower. So when he does that, I can hear his back teeth scraping against each other. It seems like he's trying to move his jaw to chew the food. Every now and again, the tip of his tongue seems to stick out of the front of his mouth as well. He doesn't have many teeth left because he had a lot of extractions last year, and he is also due for a teeth cleaning. Sounds like the couple key things there. One was that he had a lot of teeth pulled at his last dental. Um, anytime the teeth are pulled, the bite strength and the, the, the jaw clench is altered and to some degree. Uh, so a couple of things are happening. Uh, a firm treat, number two, is that anytime they're chewing on a firm treat and then they seem like they're having some clicking or, or grinding of the teeth, it could mean that those teeth are loose and rubbing up against each other. Okay. All it takes is just a little bit of mobility to the tooth. And sometimes you can't even tell uh, to get those start to scrape together. The pet has early periodontal disease by uh, having had teeth pulled. Uh, that creates mobility to the teeth, probably grinding because so we're moving. If you pull somebody's teeth. tooth next to the another tooth, then that makes that other tooth loosen up. Right. It's going to loosen oh. up and become mobile because it has more space. Uh, the big problem areas for teeth, uh, and, and especially in small dogs, are the front teeth because they're relatively close together. The premolar four, which is the big carnassial tooth, the big pointed tooth on top towards the back of the mouth, mm -hmm. and the molar, which is, is basically the wisdom tooth for the, the dog, the first wisdom tooth. They're very close together. They are a problem area. It's an area that's difficult to see because you really have to pull the cheek back to look at it. Mm -hmm. A lot of dogs don't like that. They'll be pulling away. Uh, but that's a real problem area. And that can cause teeth grinding because those teeth loosen up a lot. Okay. You know, a lot of people think when they bring their dog in for a dental that, you know, okay, the mouth looks okay. It's just a cleaning. And they're surprised that you really can't tell what's going on in the dog's mouth until you've sedated it until it's um, basically under anesthesia and you can really get in there and look at it and examine the teeth, move them around if you can, um, get up under the gums, see what's going on there. So a dental for a dog is so much different than something for a human. I mean, the doctor can talk to you while you're under, you can hear everything, um, you know what's going on. You can probably feel it in your mouth. Oh yeah, that tooth feels loose that kind of thing. But with a dog, they can be very surprising. And a lot of people, you know, don't have a lot of trust, I think, in something like this. They'll say, you know, I mean, they don't say to us, but I've, I've read it on other, you know, pages and stuff like that. Um, oh, you broke my dog's tooth. 
while it was under anesthesia. It's like, uh, there's a slab fracture on the tooth. Why didn't you treat that? Um, just a lot of different things and a lot of um, suspicion by the public when it comes to dental. But veterinarians are here to help you. Dental care is one of the most important things you can do. You have a doctor that you can trust and you really, really like. They fit. They went to vet school and they're, you know, trying their best to help your pet. Nobody's really out um, in in a situation like that to hurt anybody's mouth. Yeah, um, we're, we're under the uh, the guise of above all, do no harm. We want to do everything to help your pet. Dentistry is the number one area I think, as far as generalized health problems, because it is a silent problem. Periodontal disease is just as severe as kidney or liver disease or heart disease, and it can contribute to those diseases as well. Um, biofilm, which we'll talk about a little bit later here, um, is such an active thing in the mouth. Um, it has a way of getting underneath the gum line and causing damage to the periodontal ligament, which holds the tooth in place. Mm. Uh, it also has, because it's a lymphatic, the teeth and jaw line is directly uh, in line with the lymphatic uh, the first, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the lymph node underneath the jawline, so the lymphatic duct. So it can get into the lymph system, it can get into the bloodstream, cause problems. So dentistry is so important. Mm -hmm. um, you do have to do it under anesthesia. Anesthesia-free dentistry is not a replacement for good dental care. You do have to be able to get up under the gum line. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the crustiness of the teeth. That's cosmetic. It's what's underneath that gum line. You have to check for pockets. And those dogs aren't going to, and cats, and, and even horses aren't going to let mm -hmm. you poke around in there no. uh, while they're awake. And, you know, we did, we were in AHA Hospital, so the American Animal Hospital Association, and we did, you know, like their entire inspection, went through the entire process with AHA. And one of the things they want you to do is a fully sedated um, dental care because, uh, one of the and one of the things the guy said we did it anyway, but we were in a situation where we had purchased a practice from someone and they offered a partial sedation. Mm -hmm. But it's it's like the aha guy, um, the inspector said he's like he just went to a clinic where they did a like a partial sedation on a dog and it woke up, stood up, and it took. Um, I think 20 or 30 stitches, maybe, maybe more to close this girl's face who was working on it. So the veterinary technician who was doing that dental, that dog woke up, latched on and basically ripped a massive hole in her face. So oh. there are a lot of dangers to that. And people always want to do something anesthesia free. Oh, I don't want to do that. Um, and there's a lot of talk online about that sort of thing, but you know, you're nobody without your employees and they, they do take risks every day. I mean, even wearing a mask and trying to handle an animal is a risk yeah. and it can be a bigger risk with other animals. So we, you know, sometimes we just have to take those masks off because you can't, you, you can't get bit over uh, something like that. Um, and you're taking a low risk in the back. But um, so I don't know, I guess if you're looking to do the other route because it's less expensive or you think anesthesia is going to harm your animal, you know, it's there for a reason. It's very important. And even AHA was saying, I believe at the time, that they wanted to see about 65% or more of even your general x-rays sedated. Um, so sedation is, you know, it's one of those things. It's just important.
it's also part of the fear free program because you know let's, let's face it uh pets that are fully awake um and put into different positions for x-ray or for dentistry and things like that uh, it makes them frightened they don't understand it and so when they're under the relaxation of a sedative mm -hmm. um it's not without side effects, but very low percentage. Um, yeah. We're talking about less than a 1%, even less than 0.1% of major complications. So unfortunately, as humans, we have more anesthetic problems than animals do. Yeah, yeah. We haven't had too many of them over the years. No, we yeah. haven't. Um, so Lala, I hope that helps you, um, the information provided, and I hope you do follow up with us so we can find out how things went at the last dental that your dog has, the next dental your dog has. Alan uh, is also writing in with a question on our Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson Page on Facebook. Alan says he has a rotten puppy on a long diet. A rotten puppy. His staples include 8515, ground beef, beef liver, beef kidney, and chicken feet. He seems to be doing very well, lots of energy, a great demeanor, and the only issue is that he frequently has loose stools and often it's black. Should I be concerned? Yes, you should. Yeah, loose stools you never want to have in puppies. It usually means that we're having some level of maldigestion. Um, the darker stool is normal when you're eating higher levels of meat. Uh, when we talk about puppies, if the puppy is less than six months old, it may not be able to handle uh, this type of diet yet. It may need more, a little bit more cereal in the diet to help it deal with that, the richness of the food. But far and away, what we're missing here is bone. So bone meal or, or ground bone uh, to help because uh, it's going to help firm the stool. Um, it's also going to help absorb some of the moisture and water. It's going to help with digestion as well. So mm -hmm. if I had to look at this diet, I'd say we're probably lacking bone. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously with puppies, make sure that you send a, a stool sample in, make sure they don't have parasites. It's not from the diet, but it could be from secondary organisms. A puppy uh, may have ingested. So as I was doing that, we came across nature's logic distinction. This food is... Um, actually very sustainable and sustainability is turning into a huge issue, especially with millennials. So that's kind of good. This is made with solar power and um, wind power, I think uh, for nature's logic. I believe it's made in Nebraska, uh, a lot of wind there. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you can run that factory forever on that. It also has no synthetic vitamins. So hundred percent all natural, no legumes, no peas or pro potatoes and natural taurine. So taurine, um, is definitely something you need for good heart function. Issues have come because of a lack of taurine, which um, the one thing I did want to tell you, Alan, is um, you should be using like a raw diet balancer. So there's one by Bloom Products that we always recommend. We just sold out of it. And uh, Bloom Products raw diet balancer is what you should be using when you're making your puppy food, okay? Anybody on a raw diet should add one of those in. Okay, so the sustainability factor of nature's logic is kind of a masculine industry. And with so many more millennials owning pets now, um, they are the actual largest pet owning group in the United States. 83% of millennials said it's extremely or very important to them that companies implement programs to improve the environment. And 75% say they definitely purchase consumption habits to reduce on the environment. And pet food um, is definitely impactful to the environment because of the meat that comes from pet food. 
25% of the meat produced in the United States um, that's consumed in the United States is consumed by pets. So it's definitely something that's impactful to the environment over periods of time. The manufacturing of it takes a lot of energy. And so when I found this product, I was totally crazy in love with it, especially the fact that the vitamins are plant-based. They're extracted from plants, 100% all natural. So it's kind of cool. Um, and uh, also 38% of all respondents said they'd be willing to pay a premium or higher price for products that contain environmentally friendly or sustainable materials. And 30% said they pay a premium for products to deliver on social responsibility claims like free range, uh, pasture raised and humane. So um, the dog food industry is really changing as a result of so many things that are coming into it. Um, so many thoughts and beliefs, um, good ones, you know, um, and um, the environment being such a concern in the course of this. Definitely. And we, you know, we always think dogs could get by with scraps and they, well, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> no, not, not. The, um, the idea of, of pet foods originally using more byproducts or, um, you know, in, in order to create protein and things like that. Now the diets are becoming more uh, edible. You know, um, Just Food for Dogs, for example, they use products that the, the, the same truck that comes to a restaurant comes there. It's the same uh, really good quality meat. So you can, then they, their claim to fame is that you can eat this dog food. It's that French. Food. Just Food for Dogs. It's oh, really? Very, very, you know, it's the same no, and, and no byproducts or anything mm -hmm. like that. So made right, made locally. If right. you can find a place that sells it, it's made right on the spot. So that's kind of nice. You can get up and, yeah. and get it for your dog. Some of the other things that they're doing in the pet food industry um, are kind of interesting. They're looking at ways to take like byproducts from some other industry and use them as a way to do something for like pet foods. So for example, um, this is from Gold Shield. Uh, they said co-products from the human food chain are a ripe source for innovation in terms of novel ingredients. So take another recent article by Wall about a new technology developed by scientists in Scotland to grow algae on a leftover product from the Scotch whiskey distillation process <laughs> called, in a fun coincidence, pot ale. <laughs> the algae replaced fish as a source of omega-3 fatty acids for pets, according to the scientists, who in fact sold the algae to an as yet undisclosed premium pet food manufacturer. So we estimate one ton of our algae saves around 30 tons of wild fish. And wild fish that, you know, not only should be safe, um, and endangered source um, sometimes. And, you know, those could actually be used to feed humans too. Yeah. You know? and, and healthily. So we're not using products that, that are waste products. They're mm -hmm. actually very beneficial products. And, and if we're going to replace meet with those things and, and, and replace other nutrients, we want to make sure that they're naturally healthy. I think use the health of the pet foods should be just as healthy as our diet. Mm -hmm. I think they should be interchangeable. I don't think that we shouldn't be able to, now I'd never really, I'd never sit down, sit down to eat a bowl of dog food. But at the same time, if I did, I should be able to eat it and should have ingredients in there that's not going to harm me. You've eaten dog treats before. Yeah, I have. I, I mean, I always, <laughs> why not try them? <laughs>
Oh, well. All right. Um, On average, 87% of consumers from countries around the world expected companies to invest in sustainability in 2019. So everyone wants it. Everyone globally is saying, don't just use up all of our valuable resources on pet food. Use uh, things from across the board. Use solar power. Use wind power. Um, This is a certified sustainable seafood product, um, Nature's Logic, because they do have um, like a land and sea type recipe. They have a red recipe and they also have a fowl recipe. And this is a distinction line. So um, they do have other products you can get elsewhere, but uh, the distinction line is the one that has all these sustainable, um, really great ingredients and great products as well. Um, Well, we're happy to have all you guys with us today. Um, Seek out some good dog foods and uh, keep asking those questions. We love helping you out on the air here at Voice America. And um, be sure to join us again on our Facebook group, Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.